I welcome back in on a Friday, not just any Friday, an OEC Fiber Football Friday. We appreciate the crew over at OEC Fiber for sending us around the city, state, and region to celebrate Sooner Home games. And we are at LoveWorks Leadership, loveworksleadership.org. We'll tell you all about them coming up in about eh, 40, 40 minutes from now. Did I tell you in a wild, in a wild twist, Josh, I haven't gone through like my fifth different notebook for the football season because I lose it or leave it on a sideline somewhere. And I still have our elite roofing system who's on top from last week um, just to kind of prepare. Now, you know what, to be honest, yours wasn't too bad because you went with Eric Gray. And I thought Eric Gray ran the ball pretty well, right? Right? Um, I thought I had I – uh, didn't with... I have Braden Willis in the Wildcat as my player to watch? <laughs> I don't believe that was on there. <laughs> okay. Sorry. But but you did have uh, – your, your boy here took Marvin Mims. So, yeah. Elite roofing system who's on top coming up a little bit later on in the show. In the meantime, let's get to this game tomorrow. First of all, Josh, let's talk about Kansas a little bit. And obviously a team that's had a, a pretty dramatic turnaround this season. I think that goes without saying. Uh, obviously a lot of the focus has been on what they've done offensively, and, and understandably so. This is a team that is ranked in the top 20, in, I think it's six categories. No, hold on, hold on. Several. There's six in the country in team passing efficiency, 16th in rushing offense, averaging 215 yards per game on the ground. The Kansas offense has surrendered the fourth fewest sacks allowed this season. They've given up just three in six games. This is that moment where I remind you that when Kansas came here in 2020, Oklahoma sacked Jalen Daniels nine times. The Jayhawks are also fourth in the country and tops in the Big 12 in third down conversion. Now, again, all impressive numbers, and I I, I know that maybe there is a certain fatigue in hearing this over and over and over, I'm sorry, Josh, it still is just jaw-dropping and shocking. When I see that, I read that, and I realize we're saying it about Kansas. That's not me being a smart aleck. That's not me trying to be um, trolling on KU fans. There's no need to. It's just, it's utter shock what they have become, right? Because the joke had always been, oh, my gosh, Texas lost to Kansas. Now, you know, we're shocked that Oklahoma is a nine-point favorite. Over Kansas, this is um, I, and I'm not. I know it's two years in or a season and a half in, and their schedule gets infinitely tougher down the stretch for KU. But if Lance Leipold sticks around, Josh, this is a team that could have a Kansas State type turnaround over the next ten years. It looks that way. I mean, he he just 
has the appearance of being a great coach and seemingly a perfect fit for Kansas, has come in with a, a good plan of action and you know has made use of the transfer portal, which I think in a place like Kansas – especially until you get the thing going, and maybe even after you get the thing going, you have to be able to make use of the transfer portal. He's done that. He's done it effectively. They're good. It's a legitimate good football team in a league that has a lot of those. And, you know, you mentioned some of the numbers. It's a a mismatch in what Kansas is good at and what Oklahoma is bad at. Third-down conversion percentage offensively, Kansas, you mentioned it, elite. Elite at picking up third downs. Number four nationally, Oklahoma, 116th nationally in third down conversion percentage defense. We could do the same song and dance with rushing offense for Kansas and rushing defense, though you know that, for Oklahoma. So is there some sort of middle ground? Is something going to give there? Jason Bean playing quarterback, can can that narrow that gap a little bit in those two categories? I really think, you know, the cliché, Turnovers, of course, Dylan Gabriel's return, all of that points in a positive direction for Oklahoma. But to me, I mean, you look at those two categories that Kansas is great at and and that Oklahoma's really bad at, and probably if we revisit that at the end of the game and Oklahoma's poor in those categories and Kansas is really good again, probably we're going to be saying Kansas came into Norman and won. So what's what's been the uh, been the big difference? Right. What has those that cover this program closest? What have they seen that has fueled this rather quick turnaround for Kansas? Brian Haney was on with T Row earlier this week. Well, pretty incredible to be along for the ride, no doubt. And this team, uh, you know, the first month getting off to the four and start that then became five and oh uh Fairly fortunate win over Iowa State with a couple of doink field goals, but still a win is a win. Uh, it was incredible. And in September, they were beating teams that were major conference caliber with the road win at Houston, winning on the road in league play in the first Big 12 game of the year at West Virginia, uh, beating Duke for a program that you know the odds makers in Vegas thought would only win two and a half to double that in their first five games and be knocking on the door of a first bowl appearance in 14 years kind of surreal and then of course big storylines of nebraska and wisconsin firing their coaches two programs that lance leipold has ties to that became almost as big of a story as the team's 5-0 and start what are they going to do to try to keep leipold so some of our joy was already stolen in having to fend off some of those rumors and then obviously espn college game day comes here for the first time ever which was amazing Incredible turnout for the Kansas fans. Great setting on the base of the hill there. But then you lose your quarterback. And so, you know, it's, it's obviously been a tremendous start to the year, but there have been a few little detractors from it to where it hasn't just been sunshine and rainbows throughout. But now they got to find a way to uh, next man up at this week versus Oklahoma and maybe beyond that too. So we'll see what happens with Jalen Daniels. But, to, to win this many games in the second season of the Lance Leipold era after they tried five different coaches to replace Mark Mangino. Things finally clicked. They clearly have the best fit they've had this entire 14-year stretch. And, you know, as a guy that's called a lot of zero, one, or two-win seasons in my first seven years on the call, uh, to be talking about a team that can truly win any given week, no matter who they're playing against, it's been a night-and-day different kind of feel of the booth.
I I see no lies. Um, but it is kind of weird, right? Because even even with the excitement, there's lingering over it. What? Well, you're going to lose Lance Leipold because Nebraska's open, and if if Nebraska's open, then he's obviously going to want to go to a place like that. So he, again, I I'm not trying to make a statement on what the future of Lance Leipold is, but I mean, Josh, even the excitement of this run, like Brian Haney, their play-by-play voice just said. There's even been those little pitfalls of, well, your coach is going to leave. And now, you know, maybe you add the excitement of not just being 5-1, and one, but what else have they done? They've committed long-term to new facilities and to doing some things that will help kind of fuel or use the fuel of this to get some momentum to rebuild their football program from a facilities perspective. That's huge. It's gigantic, and no matter what's going on with Oklahoma, to snap your skid versus the Sooners after losing a hard-fought game last week to TCU and your backup quarterback comes in and does a bunch of good things, if you can show that you can go on the road here and win this game over Oklahoma and suddenly you've beaten both the Longhorns and Sooners in back-to-back seasons and now you're bowl eligible, well, the momentum for some of the things you're talking about would would just be, you know, keep that ball rolling down the hill for the Jayhawks, right. right? I mean, then all of a sudden you can walk in and I think pretty comfortably sell the idea of, hey, get on board with this, help us get these facilities, let's, uh, you know, raise this money so we can keep Coach Leipold and not have him go off to, which, by the way, everybody's talking about Nebraska. I mean, I think Wisconsin would be a terrific fit for Coach Leipold you know, maybe even more Me than Nebraska, too. just because guess what? He won a bunch of national championships at Wisconsin Whitewater. So, you know, to fend off that, obviously uh, this week's important for them. But uh, Sooners don't care, right? And the Sooners are yeah. more desperate than Kansas. Here is the update on Lance Leipold. What am I saying? Here's the update on Jalen Daniels from Lance Leipold. Again, there's – been no practice over the last three days, um, and he's still considered doubtful. They're still calling him day to day, but you know they're not going to get too in depth on it. He didn't go any more in depth on his uh, coach's show last night, but it appears as if it's going to be Jason Bean and not Jalen Daniels. And I, I don't know, Josh. We could probably go as far as saying. It doesn't just appear. It seems pretty obvious that that's who it's going to be. But I'll, I'll throw this. What Jason Bean did against Oklahoma last year might have been one of the more impressive QB performances from a guy that, I got to be honest, I, I, I didn't really expect too much of. In fact, after the October 23rd game, oh, my gosh. Josh, you want a wild stat on Justin on um, Jason Bean from last year? Sure. Against Oklahoma, he completed 17 of 23 passes for 246 yards. He had a quarterback rating of 178 and ran for 59 yards on 14 carries, averaging 4.2 yards per rush. Did you hear that number? 
17 of 23 against the Sooners. Basically 250. Yeah. Uh, Now, granted, Jalen Daniels took over, and I think he got a little dinged up in, like, the Kansas State game. But he proceeded to complete eight passes the rest of the year. He was three for ten against Oklahoma State, five for nine against Kansas State, and then Jalen Daniels pretty much took over. Wow. (laughs) And, oh, by the way, he looked pretty good coming out of the pin last week against TCU. So not only does it get does it not get easier whenever Kansas goes to its backup option, it might be a little bit more difficult knowing the success that he had last year. And oh, by the way, I mean here is a dude that when he came out in relief threw for 262 yards and four TDs in just one half. And that number of 262 is the second most Bean had ever thrown for at Kansas. Uh, not Oklahoma, but against Duke from earlier last year. You know, yeah, it's, you know, even when you catch a break and you're you're dealing with the backup quarterback, Josh, you're still in a situation where that backup quarterback has got to be brimming with confidence based on what he was able to do to this, I don't want to say same Sooner team, but to an Oklahoma Sooner team last year. Well, and it's, Somebody that's played a lot of football, right? I mean, has a yep. lot of snaps under his belt. So this is not this is not a backup quarterback coming in that's going to be wide-eyed in the situation. I mean, this is someone that should feel prepared for this moment and has had success, as you mentioned, against Oklahoma. Now, you know, may, maybe you can get a repeat there, right, where kind of had the one good performance and then the rest of it doesn't sound like it was all that great. Last season for Jason Bean, we'll see if Bean can be somebody that can really be consistently good, right? Because he played, you know, arguably probably was his best half of collegiate football last week versus TCU. Can he follow up on that? You know, statistics would say he's playing a defense that he should be able to have some success against, but we'll see. You know, the history for Jason Bean indicates that also there's not a ton of confidence necessarily that you should have that he's capable of just stringing great performances back to back to back here. When we come back, obviously we have the Oklahoma side to look at. We'll hear from Brent Venables this week. You know, there has been that charge. You know, we got to play some more guys, and and that I know for fans you love to hear. But also Lance Leipold is he's not he feels like he's not falling for the rope-a-dope here. We'll get to the Kansas's coaches' take on OU as we get set for the Sooners and the Jayhawks. It's the ref right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. West Virginia head coach Neil Brown's going to join us just after the bottom of the hour after the Mountaineers win last night over Baylor. <laughs> you guys have come up with some creative ways to look at Saturday. From the 918 off the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Sooners defense rolls the bean 42 to 24. Crystal ball this game and season, guys. Oklahoma 43 28. OU wins the rest of their games. Now, again, I let's just win Saturday. Right? Let's just see the Sooners win on Saturday, Josh. Then I say we go from there. Then we can have a conversation about what could be down the road or what might be next, right? While I appreciate it, John A., I don't really know if anyone feels comfortable enough to say 
even with the win on Saturday, that you know you, you go to Iowa State and have success. Iowa State's a really good football team defensively. Now, they can't score, but the Sooners have had some struggles in their rush defense, and that's putting it likely. That's a, a good still, matchup, go though, man. Yeah. For Oklahoma, yeah. I mean, you'd much rather play somebody that – you know, is really good defensively but struggles offensively. Just the way this team appears like for Oklahoma, it's constructed right now. I mean, I think that sets up well for the Sooners to to go be competitive and maybe win in Ames. Speaking of the Sooners and getting it back to the matchup against Kansas on Saturday, I'm not trying to get too carried away looking too far down the road, uh, Lance Leipold, head coach at Kansas, was asked about kind of his expectations of Oklahoma this weekend and what he's taken from the struggles they've had. You're not inside that. That's a, I, I still think it's a talented team. You know, no one questioned when they went up to Nebraska and, 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 and played really well and got off to a good start. Then, you know, a couple things happened and, you know, uh, you know K-State's a good football team. We just said TCU is a really good football team. Texas got their quarterback back in, in a rivalry game and played really well, and in, and they did and their depth and other things have been hit. So, you, you've got to take those all for what they are. I mean, everybody matches up a little differently, and then as you move down the season, you got to see where you're healthy in that because, um, that, you know, staff wise, energy wise. Um, you know, they're very multiple in some things, I, but I don't see them having, like, there's a bunch of mistakes and in, in different things. So I, I think it's more of uh, some other teams playing some of their best ball against them as well. And when you're a program like that and, you know, um, you get everybody's best shot. I appreciate that he doesn't feel like he's seen mistakes. One more quick one. Uh, Coach Venables, again, has a great reputation and success as a defensive coordinator and being highly multiple um, in and out of three and four-man fronts, gives you a bunch of different looks, does a lot, to, you know, again, and, and to utilize um, the athletes in, in their in their program. Um, yeah, you know, maybe it hasn't gone their way of late, but uh, as, as we know, from last year as well, the first year there's going to be there's going to be times where you're going to have some bumps, and yet um, that's too good of a staff, too good of a program, and everything, and a roster that uh, you know it's it's going to be a, a big test for us down there. Um. It's kind of wild. You know, Kansas has dealt with a few injuries themselves. They lost Daniels. They lost their starting running back. But they've got pretty good depth in the running back with Neal and the uh, former Edison Eagle Nebraska transfer, Savion Morrison, who's pretty good. But I think one area that is kind of surprising before we break, Josh, about Kansas, it's a really good defensive football team. And it's 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 a really good defensive football team led by a dude in Lonnie Phelps who's probably going to play on Sundays. Um, he's been the Big 12 player of the week, three sacks, four tackles for losses in the opener. He's had a sack in each of the last three games. He's a, a transfer from Miami of Ohio. They've got Kenny Logan Jr. back in the secondary. 
Sir, we talk about their offense, but it's a really good defensive football team, too. Sooners have their work cut out. It's OU Kansas, Saturday, 11 a.m. All right, when we come back, hey, let's recap what happened last night in the Big 12. West Virginia head football coach Neil Brown joins us after their win over Baylor next right here on The Ref. Any minute now, we're going to hear from Neil Brown, the head football coach at West Virginia. He's going to join us live after the Mountaineers' 43-40 win over Baylor in Morgantown last night. If you if you were too caught up in Thursday night football, I don't even know if I can say that with a straight face. That was really, really bad last night. Um, I, I can't think of any other way to put it. It was just really, really bad to watch. Hopefully you found the Big 12 and you found West Virginia and Baylor on ESPN because it was a fantastic finish. I, you know what's weird is, you know, going into this game, Baylor had really played some pretty solid defense, right? And West Virginia hadn't been bad on, on that front either. They turned the ball over a little bit too much. But it's almost as if it set the stage for what I think – is going to be a wild offensive weekend in the Big 12. I don't think that we're going to see many games this weekend like Kansas State and Iowa State was this past week. I think this this sets the table for what I think is going to be a big scoring weekend in the Big 12. Now, again, having Dylan Gabriel back, I think, obviously helps Oklahoma on that front. But, you know, Oklahoma State's been better defensively, but, I mean, they had essentially a third-string quarterback dice him up last week, and now you're going into a setting against TCU where the the Horned Frogs have had, I just mean, they found another level with Max Duggan since he's taken over as the starting quarterback. Just, he's been incredible. So... I don't know about Texas-Iowa State. I mean, maybe that's a situation where Texas can get something going with its running game, uh, and and maybe that's kind of the anomaly this weekend. But, Josh, I don't know about you, but I feel like with OU Kansas, with TCU Oklahoma State, and obviously with what we saw from Baylor-West Virginia last night, I think of the four games we have this weekend and one already in the books, I feel like we're going to see some points scored. Maybe not so much by Iowa State in their matchup with Kansas, but I definitely think so whenever it comes to whatever comes to the other games this weekend. Yeah, Oklahoma State and TCU. Uh, what is oh, the over-under in that game? It's like right at about uh, 69, 69 and a half points, somewhere in there. Hold on, I, have it, half. I actually had it right here in front of me because when Lee sit in his picks for the day, he had that number off. Uh, he had he had Oklahoma State minus or plus eight. It's it's minus four. It's sixty eight and a half is where the over under yeah. is on that game right now. And I think probably it's going to go over based on what I saw last week from Oklahoma State versus Texas Tech. TCU is going to be able to score some points, but I think Oklahoma State against TCU will be able to score some points. So I expect that to finish, you know, 41-38, 38-35. I'm taking Oklahoma State. I don't feel necessarily great about it, but uh, I expect a bunch of points there. Kansas and Oklahoma, I think you have to expect points to be scored both ways in that one. I mean, you know, Kansas, I agree with you. They have some nice personnel defensively, but that is a Kansas defense that still ranks 72nd in 
you know, scoring defense. Meanwhile, Oklahoma, we know, is 88th in scoring defense. So I expect points there. The one game probably I feel like I know the most about is that Texas and Iowa State is probably going to be the least scoring game in the Big 12 this week. Yeah. Um, that number on Texas and Iowa State, because I was just looking at that, too, as a potential upset special, right? Wouldn't it be – wouldn't it be like Texas to kind of have the day that they had and then all of a sudden stub their toe uh, at home against a team like Iowa State? That was a double-digit spread. Where did that over-under go? I literally just had it right here in front of me. Uh, oh, yeah, here it is. 48-and-a-half. 48-and-a-half for Iowa State and Texas. Interestingly enough, Josh, the over-under total in Kansas, Oklahoma, is 62 and a half. That's, that's a lot of points, man. <laughs> that's a lot of points for a team that didn't score any the previous week. All right. Uh, if we get Neil Brown, great. We'll continue to be on the lookout for his phone call. In the meantime, let's hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. From the 512. Just getting on today, guys. Coach Venables mentioned we would know more about DG status. Thursday, have you heard any news? Since we have not heard, I am taking that as he is going to sit out. I don't know if I would take the fact that you haven't heard anything that he's going to sit out. I think the team knows officially now. I just don't think, Josh, that they're going to make any public declaration that he's going to or not going to play right yeah they don't want to tip their hand at all either way and I do think Dylan Gabriel is playing in this football game that was the indication to start the week from coach Venables and I think that will be ultimately how it plays out for Oklahoma back home Dylan Gabriel has had you know basically two weeks in the concussion protocol which unless something else happened in practice that would be a setback i just can't imagine that he wouldn't play in this game brisket well and and let me go back to that because i understand what you're saying it's like well i haven't heard anything so he might not be playing here's what i would look at here's what i would look at i would watch the spread and by the way neil brown calling in two minutes josh just got an update cool so we, we might go a little bit long here on this segment um i would watch the vegas spread Now, there is a part of me that wonders, because of some of the people that reached out to me and asked for information last week, I'm like, all right, who are these people really talking to when they get some of this information? But the, to me, I think if, if there is a note or there is a, if there is any inclination that he is not playing, I think you'll see that number dip, right? I think you'll see it go from nine to seven to six maybe down to five i don't think it would get all the way down to to three but who knows if 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 you see any kind of wild movement on that front with the spread then i think that yeah definitely you're looking at a situation josh where uh you're probably not going to see dylan gabriel play that that's what i would say but for now for now it looks like he's in and we'll just We'll go with that positive mindset, but there will not be, I think, any official announcement from the University of Oklahoma. Brisket writes, best 
case scenario for this team is a Liberty Bowl appearance. Rendezvous ribs are central barbecue on me, Plank. I love Memphis. I went to the Liberty Bowl in, uh, what year did Tulsa go? Oh one, oh two, I believe it was. And it was a blast. It's a really cool bowl game. Now, it's not what you consider the ultimate goal for Sooner fans, but it would it would be pretty it would be a pretty cool trip. Peyton writes, I think we scored thirty five to thirty eight, and I don't see a world that Kansas scores less than twenty four. Well then I think you feel pretty good about things. So in that range, I like how specific we get on these. I feel good about holding like three touchdowns and a field goal. Maybe you throw in a two-point conversion or a safety in there. But, yeah, I like it. I like it. it here's the thing. is w- One way to look at you know not having Gabriel the last few weeks is you've had an opportunity – for him to go back, look at a lot of tape, you know, if he's if he's healthy enough to do so. If there's some mechanical things that he's lacks on, Jeff Levy can, you know, reel it back in. So I think I think there's a lot of ways to look at, hey, it stunk that he was out last week for OU Texas, right? And it was a really tough hit. But maybe in this time too, there's that opportunity that he's watched some tape that he's seen some things, and he's been able to make improvements on little things, Josh, that might help make him better in the long term. I mean, that, that's a bit of a reach, but you're, you're, ABC always be closing. You know, ABI always be improving. That's kind of the, the mindset, I think, whenever you look at a Dylan Gabriel and what you need from him to be at that level you want to be. Well, and I think, you know, here's a, maybe an undertold storyline, and – I would imagine Dylan Gabriel was pretty confident in his status as this team's starting quarterback, but he's got no worries about his job security None. now. <laughs> I mean, so I don't know if that can help his play at all, but that, that part definitely exists for him too. All right, it's 1042. Let, let's, let's do this. It, we're awaiting Neil Brown to join us after last night's win for the West Virginia Mountaineers. We're on the road for an OEC Fiber Football Friday at LoveWorks Leadership you can learn more at loveworksleadership.org. Uh, we're going to talk to not only uh, Brent out here at LoveWorks Leadership, but David Goodspeed is going to join us. But let's let's get a break here and hopefully have plenty of time to talk to Neil Brown next right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. I'm really excited for this, um, and, and thank you. As we welcome in West Virginia head football coach Neil Brown, uh, Neil was, was going to join us on Big 12 today, unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately for me, I'm on I'm on my show live locally, and he's been uh, kind enough to join us from Morgantown. So, Coach, thank you so much for doing this. Congratulations. Just uh, take us through your thoughts after a big home win last night over Baylor. Yeah, well, first of all, I wish I was in Morgantown. I'm, not, I'm actually on the road recruiting, so uh, not a huge win. I thought, you know, Thursday night, a heck of a football game, a lot of respect for, for Baylor and and not only their players, but their staff. I think Dave Miranda is special, and, and they had a really good plan against us. And I, and I thought it was a great football game. Some back and forth, and, and proud of our guys for just competing. And, and I think for us, it came down, we won the turnover margin. We were, we were able to force some, some turnovers. We were able to ran, run the ball versus a team that hadn't, hadn't given up, 
given up many rushing yardage, and and we finished. We finished really well. I had a drive there at the end of the game to set up the game-winning field goal. I was really impressed last night in watching Tony Mathis. And, you know, you, I, I love the early season, right? C.J. Donaldson listed as a tight end, and then boom, he goes out and runs all over Pitt. But that depth in that running back's room, Coach, has got to make you feel pretty good to see the way that Tony Mathis ran it last night. He did. And, and he's played well here. He's, he's maintained the start and maintained being the starter, even though C.J. Donaldson's came on and, and really been a big-time player for us, especially as a true freshman. But Tony has been consistent. He's been a leader uh, offensively for us and, and throughout the whole team. He's kind of bided his time. We had Letty Brown here who was an all-Big 12 running back and now he's in the NFL. Um, and so Tony bided his time. And then last night I thought he, thought he just took advantage of his opportunities. He ran extremely hard. He was decisive. You know, sometimes running backs get back and they're, they try to be overly patient. I thought he made a decision, got vertical, and he broke tackles. You know, there was a kind of a wild sequence in the end where you guys force a turnover, and then, you know, on the very next play, Baylor forces a turnover. In those instances, Neil, is that a conversation that you have with JT? Do you go over and maybe talk to your offensive coordinator a bit or, or, or talk to him through the, through the headset? Because maybe it was a chance for a knockout blow, but what was kind of the, the, the coaching points after seeing that take place late in that game to your staff and to your guys? Well, so there was nearly four minutes to go. Baylor had all three timeouts. So we knew it wasn't necessarily a, a situation where we could just run the ball. Uh, so we, we called a pretty conservative pass play, and JT made a bad decision. And he played really well. Actually had the flu and kind of played through that last night. Um, but he made a bad decision, and they made a nice play. The good thing about JT, regardless if he makes a great play or a poor play, he's exactly the same. Demeanor never changes. He never lost confidence. And so I just said kind of jokingly to him, I said, what, are you trying to make this really interesting here at the end? He just kind of laughed. And <laughs> so Graham, I was like, hey, we got to get prepared for a two-minute drill or two-minute drive to go win the game, and that's exactly what we did. Neil Brown's head football coach at West Virginia. They knock off Baylor last night, 43-40. to A couple of weeks ago, I had a chance to talk to JT Daniels. What a great personality, Coach. You know, obviously a guy who had a lot of a lot of pre-college hype, right? Went to a couple of places, but some of those throws he made last night, now that you talk about a guy with a flu, that that over-the-shoulder pass on the far sideline, I mean, he just, he's really got all the tools. What is his personality and leadership meant for this program in that quarterback room and on that in that locker room for you? Well, I think it's important to note he just got here in May, too. So he was a captain for us last night. He's really established himself over the summer. Um, and he did that by coming in and just getting to know the guys. Uh, didn't assert himself. Just kind of really focused on building relationships. And he did that, and, and he's worked. I always say this. He's the most prepared of anybody on our football team. He spends more time in our building, really works on his body, uh, prepares mentally, um, and He's performed at a high level, and I think it's a great story. I think he's getting overlooked a little bit because I think he's having a tremendous year, and because you know we struggled in our first two games, I don't think his production is getting noted. But he's played really at a high level, and he's overcome. You know, he's you know you're talking about a kid that started at Mater Day at Mater D High School as a freshman in high school, one of the most prestigious programs in the country. Starts at USC, graduates high school early starts at USC as a true freshman really should have been a high school senior 
and he was undefeated at Georgia. And so he's had to overcome adversity. He's came here, and he's playing at a high level, and I think he's only going to continue to get better. Coach, I know Gabe isn't in on this conversation, but he would demand that I talk to you about that offensive line because, sure, the running backs are great, but when you're churning out 5.9 yards per rush, 217 yards on the ground, uh, you got to feel pretty good about the job that offensive line did last night. It's a strength for us, and I think we have the best center in the country in Zach Frazier, uh, Doug Nestor, our right guard, and our left tackle, Wyatt Milam, all played extremely well last night. Um, Baylor's really good against the run. I think there were six in the country on rush defense coming into the, into the game. And for us to do that versus that unit and versus a Dave Aranda coach team, I think speaks to how well our offensive line played. And, and our offensive line coach did a great job. Uh, Matt Moore and our running backs coach, Chad Scott, really coming up with a run game plan that they gave us a chance versus their, their really talented front. What can a win like that do for you? I mean, right right now, this this conference is crazy, Coach. You're, you're three and three overall, but one and two in conference play. And you know, I, I'm not going to be surprised at all if a two loss team plays in this Big Twelve championship game. I mean, uh, is the mindset still that everything's laid out in front of you guys that you would you'd you'd wanted heading into the season? Well, I, I think the league is really balanced. Uh, I'm with you. I, I think there'll there'll be a two loss team that plays in Dallas for the championship. I believe that. Um, Every week's a challenge, whether you're playing home or away. I think there's really good football teams across the board that are really well coached. Um, and so you've got to be at your best. For us, we've won three of our last four. Uh, we lost our, our first conference game to Kansas in overtime. Um, and then we didn't play very well at Texas. And so we get a big win. Now we got to go on the road to Lubbock. It doesn't get any easier. I'm curious, when you have a situation – like you had with your freshman last night and Andrew Wilson Lamp. You know he's a good kid. You know it wasn't intent. But as as a coach, when you see that take place, I know you worry about the opposition, absolutely. But what's kind of your message to, to Andrew Wilson Lamp? How do you kind of help him compartmentalize and make sure that that's a mistake he doesn't make again, Coach? Well, I feel really bad that Blake Shapin didn't get to finish that game. I thought he played at an extremely high level. Um, and I hope he's okay. Um, Andrew Wilson-Lamp made a poor play on a late hit. I do not agree that that was targeting. I've seen it from multiple angles. I do not see a shot to the head. I think that it was called targeting, and, and it was confirmed as targeting because it was a quarterback. We're going to appeal that. Uh, we'll see how the, the appeal process works. Um, Andrew knows he was wrong. He multiple apologies, and it was a late hit, and it was correctly called a late hit. So I do not think it was it was targeting, but I, I, I hate that Blake Shapin didn't get to finish the game because I thought he was playing well, um, and I hope he's okay and he's, and he's able to play next week. Coach, we'll get you out of here two more. Uh, maybe a potential game-changing play. I feel like there's a Stills brother or a father that's constantly been making plays in a West Virginia uniform for years. But that Dante Stills blocked extra point. That was something pretty pretty big in that game to get the two points out of that extra point opportunity. Had, had there been something that you guys saw you thought you could take advantage in the field goal block, or was that just Stills being Stills? Well, I think those the field goal block team defines your program. And we always talk to our guys about that. 
because you're always out there on your on a, usually a, a PAT after a touchdown, so it's after a negative play. And so, what do you have? And and we talk about it's a strain play, but strain, and let's outstrain our opponent on on a PAT because you never know. And so, anytime I watch an opponent and I see their field goal block team, and that's the very first thing I watch whenever, like when we play Texas Tech, first thing I'm gonna watch is their field goal block team. And I want to see how hard are they coming off the ball because if they play hard on their field goal block team, I have a really good understanding of what that team's about, and it's gonna be a really tough game and. And they're an effort group. I think effort groups are always the hardest to play against. And so we sell that. And that was an effort play. We came through, got the block. We had the awareness enough to scoop and score. And that was a huge momentum play and really got the game back in our favor. Coach, I only got about a minute. But uh, I say bye week, but as you told us, you're already on the road recruiting. Uh, what's the schedule look like for you now? Are you going to get a couple of days off or are you grinding? We gave, we gave our players off Friday and Saturday, and then we'll be back to work on, on Texas Tech on Sunday. We'll, uh, as a staff, we're out recruiting today, take tomorrow off. I'll be at a, a, a soccer and a softball field. we got multiple games. i got a 14-year-old daughter playing softball tomorrow, 11-year-old <laughs> playing soccer. So, so we'll, we'll be cheering, cheering, those guys, cheering those girls on from the sideline. Coach, I really appreciate you still doing this, man. Congrats on the win on Saturday or on Thursday night, and we look forward to seeing you down at Texas Tech next week. Appreciate the time. No, I appreciate you having me on. Y'all have a good day. Yeah, we'll see you. How cool is that? Neil Brown, West Virginia head football coach, after the Mountaineers beat the Bears last night. Uh, that worked out well, huh? Thank you, Robbie Triano. How cool was that? We were trying to get Neil Brown on Big 12 today, and he couldn't do it in the afternoon, and they're like, I'll go on his local show. So there you go. Not bad. And as he said, Josh, the Big 12 is wide open. All right, when we come back, when we come back, let's tell you about where we are on an OEC Fiber Football Friday. David Goodspeed will join us as well right here on The Ref.